0: Welcome to the Positively Roswell podcast. Each month, we'll bring you inspiring conversations from your neighbors that help make Roswell one of the best communities in the world. I'm your host, Ty Anderson, a Grammy award winning musician, brand strategist, and longtime Roswell resident. To learn more about Positively Roswell, check out positivelyroswell.org or connect with us on Facebook at Pro Roswell. Positively Roswell is elevating engagement in our city by accentuating the positive stories of our world-class community. In this episode, we continue our discussion with Jeff Rose, the Fulton County Superintendent of Schools. If you've made it this far, you know that our kids' futures are in great hands with a leader who is committed to our students realizing their best futures. In this discussion, we'll dive deeper into school safety and what Dr. Rose does in his own home to make sure that his kids are well-adjusted, facing the challenges of the 21st century. And if you haven't done it yet this school year, take the time to send your teacher or administrator a note to thank them for all they do to make our community the best in the world. This is Positively Roswell. We talked about the faith community Let's stay on this issue of just mental health. Um, what do you see? Just because I do think you have a, a, a perch and a perspective that we can lose as individual parents, even though you have that as well. Um, what do you think is the best just strategies or few things that parents can be doing to help with our kids' just mental health and adjusting into this technology-infused world? Well.
1: Yeah. I have to be honest. I mean, this is I wish I had that you're answer. You're not Dr. Right, Phil? Right. I mean, I, <laughs> it, it is something that I will tell you that I and we are thinking about and worried about. It's it's well, something let's make it, that, it personal. What do
0: you do in your family? What, yeah. do you, what are some things that you're doing? That just as a dad and that you guys are going how are you trying to equip your your kids?
1: Well, you know, this social media piece you brought this up. I think it's really important that we as parents, as community members, pay closer attention to what our, what our kids are saying. And not just what they're saying, but what they're seeing. And so I think that there, there's always a place and a time to um, ignore sometimes privacy of our own children. They are our children. And it is our job to monitor and to track that. And by the way, we have the right to do so. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my wife is an amazing stalker of our children relative to what they say or don't say. And I think that's important because we want to know what they're being exposed to. So We want you, to create dialogue. You don't sound home.
0: like a, a typical uh, liberal Portlandian who's just talking about, just let them go and let them be free. You're going like, parents, know what's going on with your kids. And a lot of it's going on online. Know what they're seeing. Yes. Know what they're saying. Yes. In fact,
1: so much so that people are, it's not just about your own children, but think about, other children mm-hmm. the, the one thing that we learn a lot is when people will actually tattle, but for really good reasons mm-hmm. we're trying to teach our kids and communities that if you see something you say something right. in fact we have an app that's now loaded on every device in throughout the school district that is this app where people if you see something you say something that allows us to intervene early we're definitely worried about safety throughout our schools but mm-hmm. safety is more than just pragmatic safety it's actually trying to be proactive and catch things before they happen so we can intervene and support students. So,
0: so. let's talk about safety because Valentine's Day, I don't think I'm ever going to think of it the same, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. um, cause that was the day the Parkland shooting happened. And, um, with my company, we, we have about 10 employees down in that area. Their kids are at the school. So trying to get in touch with them, making sure their kids were safe, um, but just as a parent, um, that was such—it's uh, just such evil, you know. And then, um, and then it harkens back to, um, you know, with Sandy Hook, which is like—I remember I was talking to a, a good friend, a, an educator, a coach, and he was just saying just the despair he felt after Sandy Hook when kind of there wasn't collectively as a society we it's like we couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then, so immediately after something like Parkland. We kind of divide to our political camps of what we think um, solutions are, and then it seems like you, as uh, as school administrators, you you have to navigate that. You can have opinion on that, but you're also like you have to put stuff into practice the next day. Um, you don't have time to wait on campaign ads, right? Um, so. W- What's uh, what's going on with safety? I mean, was that you know? I know a lot was already in place, but it would seem like that would have at least sort of turned up the heat that we have to we have to do more. But what's what's the right what's the right approach? Is it you know we have on one side it's like we'll just harden up the schools, and then you have another side that's saying we have we can't ignore um, that our culture has a sickness. And it's spilling into our schools, so we can't do this alone.
1: You know, the, the, good, the there's good news and then there's the, the challenges. The good news is that fortunately Fulton County for the past decade has been paying attention and has yearly been adding resources relative to safety. Where we now, in terms of the number of officers and patrollers and automobiles to make sure we can give very quick and direct access to all of our schools is night and day compared to, say, a decade ago. And right, since, since Parkland, uh, the level of anxiety for us has increased as a parent, um, as well as an educator. And of course the worry of, could this ever happen to us? Mm -hmm. And so, um, the answer is we have to be prepared if, if it could happen to us. So number one, our officers have to train in a very different way, right? We have SWAT trained officers. Mm -hmm. In fact, when we were told down, tore down the old Milton high school, Mm -hmm. right? We use that as Uh, a training ground, not just for us, but local municipalities to come in and train in our SWAT strategies, which I don't think 10 years ago we were thinking about our officers being SWAT trained officers, but we have to do that now. So we are doing a variety of things, such as, of course, these apps that if you see something, you say something and trying to train our community around that and then create the resource that can intervene prior to issues Mm -hmm. that happen. Our officers now have, you know, body cameras on them. That was something that recently hit the news. We are looking at researching now a way that we can monitor social media as a school district based upon zip code. Mm -hmm. We can actually see certain things that would come to light relative to comments or words or phrases that would allow us to swoop and intervene. Mm -hmm. So, you know, call that a big brother strategy potentially, but we're right now researching that. We currently have a safety committee that's based upon Local expertise, even with an, some national input, as well as our parents, it's going to give a new recommendation for the next layer of safety in Fulton County Schools. So this is something that um, we just will not stop. We, we are pleased that we've made progress, but we are far from satisfied relative to people feeling safe because they can't just be safe, they have to feel safe. If mm-hmm. we want kids to learn, if we want parents to feel safe and really help optimize the learning of their child, People have to come to school, feel comfortable. Um, And, you know, that's something that we know is a struggle and a challenge. And I acknowledge it and the district acknowledges it. Unfortunately, so does our board.
0: And are there like, you know, I I had a mom tell me, you know, how come I can always find an open door at my school and walk in? Yeah. You know, are there things like that where there's, uh, you know, sort of random unannounced safety checks that, that are happening to just, just test that outer level of physical security of our schools?
1: Yes. And there are certain things that certain things we even do relative to safety that we don't make yeah. known to the public yeah. for I've obvious thought about reasons. I've got some
0: questions. I don't want to like put, give people ideas. No, yeah. It's, uh. Uh,
1: no, but we, so, and, and part of it is ongoing training with our staff, right? right? So um, with our teachers and our principals to make sure they know what to do, what precautions to have. And yes, we have, you know, doors that lock. We have a buzzer system to get into the front door. And if you ask me, are there vulnerabilities in the school? Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to constantly be assessing and constantly training and try to shore those up and improve on those. And it's, it's, it's a new expectation for us. So
0: I guess a little bit in review is like there, there's things to sort of make the perimeter secure. You also spoke about being proactive to just responding to threats that emerge on social media. Um, you know, and I think that's the thing. It's hard to sell. This is an area where it's hard to celebrate victories right? because the victories are when nothing happens. <laughs> the victories are every day right. that, that nothing has happened is a, right. is a victory. Um, but I can think of several times there's been threats, um, both with, you know, at Roswell high school, immediately communication is going out to parents, the correct defensive steps. And those haven't, they're yet to turn into physical violence. Um, those are wins to me. Now, do I feel anxiety when that happens? Yes, but I also I also feel more trust that it's being monitored and, and seen. So those that's reassuring as a parent. Um, is an issue? Is, is there anything here where like I know like when the Parkland kids were coming up, they were gonna be at Centennial, and then like last minute it wasn't. Was that politics coming into play, or is that is, is their voice just not welcome here? Is someone like I'm like these are. Ter- like they survived domestic terrorism. Yeah. They kind of have a perspective yes. as teenagers that we should all be listening to.
1: Right. That was a uh, actually also personally a challenging situation because of some of the assumptions that were made around what happened at Centennial. Um, that was a process issue. You know, we rent our facilities 23,000 times a year. We do have um, a system and a process that we ask all entities to go through and um, – there were certain missteps along the way. So there were some T's crossed for sure, but not all I's were dotted in that process following up to you know, this Friday before when we had to make this final decision that this event couldn't happen on Monday. And there were assumptions relative to a political leanings and safety is not about politics. So that is not the issue. Um, we are a neutral organization. And so we actually would hope that students and adults when they have this conversation, it's actually not a political conversation. And so
0: you'd you'd hope it would be like right and wrong, not right and left.
1: But the the dilemma is it does end up sometimes Mm -hmm. in that. And so it's our job to, to help, you know, provide an opportunity for kids to engage in this discourse with one another. And by the way, we find that our students tend to do a much better job of it than we Mm -hmm. do as adults.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I, um, I actually went to the event that they held it at Eagle's Nest and, it was really cool that you know it was they had so many of the kids that you see on TV that have become high profile. They were all there, but they weren't speaking. They gave the stage to. They were actually shining a light on more of um, just inner city violence, mm-hmm. the gun violence that happens every day that we ignore in the suburbs, which was really powerful. Incredible diversity on the team, and they had local kids from Centennial as part of it. Um, so it felt like a very local event. It was a good opportunity to to hear from them. Um, yeah, it's it's an issue where that's my biggest fear is um, is that hap is just that happening? And it's such a what do you think? And again, this is maybe it's out, it's outside of any, either of our purview, but sure. What is it? This didn't used to happen, and then you and I graduated high school, and Columbine happened, mm-hmm. and now it happens all the time. Yeah. On one side, when people go, well, it's video games and music, whatever. I'm like, I've been all over the world. They play the same video games and listen to the same music in Australia, mm-hmm. but they don't have access to guns and they don't go shoot up schools. Right. And then, so I'm like, it's not either or. This is a comprehensive thing. But if, I guess the, the thing where I feel sadness is we talked about schools being so important, but it feels like an issue where some people just, they're not actually willing to make it the most important because they actually care about other things more
1: right well you know i i you ask what is it um i don't know i think that you're it's a variety of things that contribute to what has created this problem that no one would ever wish upon anyone right um also we have to know too that actually there were events when we were younger but we didn't necessarily know about every event Mm -hmm. now we know about every single event it happens in real time. all in real time, and yeah. you know while that may create transparency, that also ramps up anxiety and fear and things of people being copycats. It right. it does a lot of things. This constant information flow um, that is really difficult for us to navigate. Uh, but by the way, we better pay attention to it. This is not that, something that you, just, good. you know.
0: Good. It's funny because I've talked with a lot of moms who like their biggest fear is like the white unmarked man coming through the neighborhood and kidnapping their kids. And I try to tell them that the data indicates that's statistically less possible than it was, you know, 30 years ago. That's right. And 50 years ago. It's like it doesn't it doesn't really happen. It's right. kind of a myth. Right. It's always the ex-husband or the uncle or what. He, like, right. If you're right. actually going to data. But um, but. Don't tell them that because they saw a lifetime movie. Or I, or right. the one time that it happens, um, we love. Uh, you know, it's. I mean, the, you know, this morning I turned on the news and it was talking about a young woman that was murdered by in by an undocumented immigrant. So that's going to become the story: undocumented immigrants and how dangerous they are. That's going to be uh, separate from data, which mm-hmm. actually says that they're actually a commit less crime in our safer community but we respond to the heart we respond to visuals more than we do to data And i imagine in your job you have there's a constant pull between right. responding appropriately emotionally to the heart but also having to go back to all this data when you're talking about such a large organization it's, well
1: safety is a great example so um We knew that uh, we have been focusing on safety and adding resources and supports as as much as we can afford along the way. Um, Last year, there's naturally a cry for more, right? Some more sense of security, more resources to security, et cetera. Um, But rather than us say, well, let's just listen to opinions of, you know, let's do this because it feels right – What do some experts say? How do we make sure we research the topic before we start investing, you know, public dollar to do that and do that well? So, which is why we launched as part of the budget process, a committee that has some very specific parameters that is researching the problem right now. And parents are on that committee, but we also have a lot of local experts to say, what is the best way to do this as opposed to just the emotional or the political way to do it? And so it's, uh, it's naturally... You know, challenge it because we are motivated by the heart in every particular way, right? We this is the way to actually move people, not usually this, yeah. But this is important too. You
0: no, know, because I, I know if you tell me that, you know, how many tens of thousands of people died today from starvation, it's just a data. That's right. If I actually see an image or picture of one person that actually impacts my heart. Well, you mentioned if suicide, started, right? Yeah.
1: You mentioned suicide and, and there was somebody that, that you knew, mm-hmm. one of our students that... Um, so uh, suicide and mental health um, is something we should worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we tend not to until it impacts us personally. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that we're seeing now, uh, because it is prevalent and our awareness hopefully is increasing, we are all becoming aware that there are people that we know that have mental health challenges that mm-hmm. could lead to something as um as disastrous and disturbing as something like suicide and, yeah. and that happens in I our with our still, kids
0: you know because there's still stigma around depression yes. there's still stigma around mental health issues it's almost like every you know in our society today if you're not talking to somebody i don't care who you are like we all need people in our life and we almost need to create a culture of where we're teaching kids from early age, like how to talk to people, how to share about issues e- before there's problems, right because I don't, but again, I don't know how you provide those kind of resources. Right. You, and we can't take an hour out of every day for every student for, you know, mental health time. Right. Right. You know? Right. Right. So it's, it's a logistical challenge, but there is, um you know, when it does hit home, you know, just some of those issues it was before you we were here, but you know, we had um, Natalie Hernandez was murdered across from the school and, Um, And then with um, some of the suicides and um, those are the issues more than any other that they, uh, that I keep me up at night and I just go, you know, I love, like, when I say I love my community, I don't, I'm not thinking of a zip code. I'm thinking of the kids in our community mm-hmm. and wanting them to have their preferred future, not reliving my past, right, I'm right, stealing that. Right. Um, so let's go one more sort of dark issue, and then we got to end this positive. Sure. What we hear so much about the opioid crisis, was listening to another show about it. Um, how is that impacting the schools? What are, what are we seeing with opioids? And it seems like we're normally, Again, 20 years ago, we, th- we, th- we thought about drugs as just problems for lower income schools and now we're seeing opioids are, are something that are uh, they, they do not discriminate against um, uh, against income. If Correct. anything, maybe they're attracted to uh, you know higher income populations. Correct.
1: Um, well, I can tell you our our recent data on drug and, and alcohol scenarios in our schools has increased. So um, we need to be aware of that, right? Uh, and part of this is because of what we are experiencing with opioids. And you know, fortunately, we are working with other entities beyond just the school district. Last week, I attended a meeting that was assembled by Karen Handel, which had um, county and statewide and district resources sitting together to say, What do we do to mutually contribute to some solutions? So, you know, the good news is I think that we are aware of it and we have more than just the school district leaning in to support that. Um, And I think it's one of those things also is about education. I mean, where we see the challenge is sometimes people just not recognizing that, oh, this is a problem or that my children may have access to these sorts of drugs that you know, we may not be able to relate to because not something you, you say smoke, right? It's mm-hmm. something that is passed in a different way, right? Our kids are smoking less cigarettes, but they're doing other things like mm-hmm. juuling. Like vaping and juuling. Right? Yes. And the damage of juuling is dramatic and it can go it can go unseen. It can be done in very specific locations and kids can get away with it all the time. And it is a scary scenario that we should be paying attention to. But... I would say the majority of parents, if you ask them, do you know what juuling is, they would say no. Mm-hmm. And that's not because they have their head in the sand or it's their fault. Well,
0: we just got to just stop eating our laundry detergent. <laughs> now we got to worry about jewelry. So yes, yeah,
1: so it's it's amazing, <laughs> right, how fast these are going. Yeah. So. You know, part of our strategy is to make sure that we're just very knowledgeable and staying ahead of it and yeah. just educating our educators, but also our parents need to be educated. Our, our high schools and middle schools recently sent out information to families about juuling.
0: One, one of the reasons that I love Principal Huff, and it's still so, still someone I care about very much, our freshman orientation, someone asked a question about drugs. And his response like stuck with me about everything with education is he said, we said, we don't have a problem with drugs at Roswell high school. He said, we have a problem with drugs in this community. And the high school is where we're actually doing something about it. Mm -hmm. And it was like pretty profound. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's not like we have a factory here where we're making drugs. It's like this community has a problem and it manifests and we're trying to address it. And I think that's, if you think about everything we've talked about, Our schools don't have a problem with mental health. Our schools don't have a problem with safety. Our community and our culture has these challenges. And again, our schools are the epitome of the public square where they all together so that these problems manifest. And then you have the charge of trying to solve them with simultaneously be blaming, being blamed for creating them. That's right. That's <laughs> which right. Sure. It, which, which you're not. I mean, sure. that's like, but it's again, you know, I'm pretty sure no one in Fulton County school, in, you know, invented Twitter or Instagram. Right. But they bring challenges that we, that that's where they have to be dealt with. Right. And, you know, on and on again, you know, whether there's juuling or vaping, drugs, suicide, um, safety, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, even at Milton high school, they don't have like a, a arms dealership where they're making guns. Right. No. But there's certainly a problem when they show up on a campus. Sure. So, um, it, it's ultimately, it's a, it, it is just the, the ultimate challenge. And it's the, the, the biggest challenge we have as society is getting this right. And again, I want to go back because I, I love that is like, our, the challenge of schools is to help prepare these students to contribute to the economy to be able to survive in this culture and be prepared for their best future, not reliving our past. That's right. Um, it's pretty powerful. Let's end on a positive note. No, so, no actually, there yeah. there is some positive okay, note on good. what you just
1: said, though, because um, so yes, we're we're mired in yeah. this, you know, yeah, thanks complex for saying that, challenge. I was right. Also. Yeah. Well, I saw you going down, yeah. you know, a ditch. I was, I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to pull you out. So the, the the one thing that we have to uh, almost the strategy when I see things work really well is when community and school districts, um, you know, our people have um, – see that there are the right intentions at play, mm-hmm. right? I, the, the finger-pointing strategy, I have never seen work, mm-hmm. right? I have been in this business for a while. For example, when, when parents point the finger at teachers or teachers point the fingers at parents – Or we point the fingers at people in the community for not being involved. Or, you know, worst case scenario, we point the fingers at kids. And we blame each other for some of these ills and challenges. I've never seen that work. It's when we assume that, you know, there is a positive intent. The teacher did not become a teacher, Mm -hmm. right, for any other reason than typically, you know, they want to make a difference. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that there's a silver bullet to that work. So as parents, if we can just assume, you know, the teacher really does have positive positive. they want to do the best thing they can. They want to rake it in, right? That, that's and not how it goes. And they spend all their own money right. on
0: extra supplies. <laughs> and by the way,
1: being a parent's hard, yeah. right? Being a parent is really difficult. Um, and for some of our parents who actually are living through some challenges that some of us can't understand, such as poverty and mobility and putting food on the table and working multiple jobs... That is also creating a different level of challenge. So we have to assume sometimes the best in others for us to be able to come together around the table Mm -hmm. and say, how do we work on this together? But when we just point fingers and say the school district this or parents this, if only the community blank, Mm -hmm. I've never seen it work. Mm -hmm. It's when everyone says, listen, we all want what's best for kids. Everyone wants what's best. So how do we contribute to that? We don't have to agree on everything, mm-hmm. but how do we find, you know, this this area middle ground that we know is just the right thing to do because it's the right thing for kids? And when that happens, these challenges actually can turn into incredible successes and serve as models for our kids and how, the kind of discourse we should have as adults. Mm-hmm.
0: And that, that's one thing I have been impressed just with, in my own kids, and just in this generation. I think it's it's really easy for the media and even we can be guilty of this as parents of dismissing kids and dismissing them as, well, they're just entitled or just, they're just selfish or this. There is, I'm actually, you know, I spent enough time with teenagers and middle schoolers now with sports and at school events to know that our kids are actually pretty special. Amazing. And they're amazing. And they're going to do, I think they're going to handle a lot of things and culture a lot better than we are. Um, and so I, I, I do think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic in the midst of it. And maybe let's end with that. I think I, I'll ask you, this will be a hard one because I'm going to – so don't consider this picking favorites. But um, I know there's so many nights that are challenging, but when you think about just like your your time and, uh, in this role so far um, – mm-hmm. What's something, is there, and again, because that data, I don't want you to tell me the data because that won't mean anything. Yeah, we won't right? do that. So I want to know just like an individual story. Is is it a kid that that graduated through poverty? Is it someone with an arts achievement? Is it, uh, is it that kid getting that scholarship that otherwise wouldn't? Is uh, What's like a story that you go, that maybe you lean into, you have in your kind of pocket and heart that you think about, uh, to To help you during the uh, the uh, when you when you are taking some arrows,
1: we actually published some stories last year. Last year, we decided rather than data as we have it, let's let's show some of our star seniors, and let's just find some some incredible seniors. That doesn't mean all of them; just a few here and there to highlight and tell their story a little bit. We we created these stories for students and. Um, and we have these videos on our channel. And, I mean, there's, there's a girl at, named Bintu at, you know, down at Banneker. And Banneker has been this incredibly challenged school for a number of years. And Banneker is rising up now. The last few years of Banneker is night and day compared to where they've been. But Bintu is this um, this short, unseemingly leader if you, saw, if you saw her, you would never pick her out said that girl is a leader. And watching her play a role in Banneker's improvement and serve as almost this icon for Banneker um, and where she's moving on to. She's moving on to college. She is owning her future. She is meeting exactly what our goal is. And she's one of many stories. And if, if a viewer ever wants to watch... They should go and look at our star seniors from last year. Um, whether you've attended a graduation or not, you should attend graduations because they're always impressive to see where kids are going and what they're doing. And for us to worry about, we are worried about students, but students today compared to when you and I were going to school, mm-hmm. it's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they are doing amazing things and have skill sets that you and I never could have dreamed of when we were in school. Never could have even fathomed And sometimes it just takes talking to one, uh, going to a a civics class and listening to that discussion, compare it to when you were in high school, Mm -hmm. right? It's um,
0: We all try to pretend like we were so
1: great. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's it's really, and, you know, sometimes (laughs) I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes if I'm not spending time in schools, I get mired in these challenges and the infrastructure issues, et cetera. Part of my job is to, at least for my own focus, is to spend time in schools because I actually get to see what, what the work is. The work is not all the things that you know we're struggling through. It's actually the relationship that happens staff to staff, staff to student, student to student, that that's where the magic is. And, you know, unless you've spent time in a school, we just make lots, lots of assumptions about what happens there. Mm-hmm. And usually they're incorrect. Mm-hmm. So if there's ever an adult say, what do I do? You should spend time in a school. Mm-hmm.
0: You should actually go see. What's the best way for an adult to interface and, and contribute and sew into students?
1: Well, one, you um, anybody in the public can contact us centrally with questions and we can help plug them in to whether there are certain organizations that are supporting our schools in certain ways. So if they were to say, listen, I, I really want to just mentor. Mm-hmm. Can I find a place to sit down and mentor. We have a variety of mentoring programs happening throughout, right? There's a variety in Roswell, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, the Star House, for example, right? They need people who are willing to come and sit and read with students Mm -hmm. after school. And what that's doing for students is completely changing lives. Mm -hmm. Having adults after school read with our kids. Yeah. And there are some very basic things and we can help plug them in. But also if you're very close to a school or if you have family members that are part, we do have a process. We do not just open the doors, right? Right. We make sure that we screen adults before they're actually in schools. We need people that are literally showing up. Passive support is not going to help.
0: Yeah.
1: Active support makes a difference, which is why some of our schools, Roswell specifically is so strong. We have many active members. Yeah.
0: Time talent treasure those are the three things that that we can give and there's a way to give uh one of those things to your students you can call your principal where do they need volunteers they always need volunteers you know where do you have specific talent how can you bring that to bear to help your schools always ways to do that and then finally treasure um there's always it's a big budget but there's always room for more i mean i think of a simple thing with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes for the football team, we switched it to Tuesday instead of Monday, so the freshman football team could also come. That's going to cost us an extra thousand dollars in pizza because right. we make sure every one of these right. kids, some who don't, who might otherwise not get dinner that night, that mm-hmm. they do. So. Um, there's there's always a way that if you connect with the program it can be around the passion of your own of your own students um, or connect with the administration and, and find a way because again this there there's nothing more important um, Dr Rose thank you so much Is, yeah um, absolutely um, I was not a good steward of your time but you were very generous with yours so thank you I know you got you got a lot to do and a, and a big job to do it but um, just thank you for bringing your time talent and treasure to sure. Uh, to Fulton County and uh, for just for your leadership and you know guiding us through challenging season. But man, I, I know I feel like talking with you, I feel more confident about our future and great things to come.
1: Well, thank you. And I, I, I need to say this. I've been here now just, I'm in my third year and um, there were aspects of Fulton County that, that drew me here. Um, but after being here for a period of time, I think we have all the puzzle pieces. I think it's just a matter of us over time getting them in the right place. I, I truly believe that Fulton County can be an absolute powerhouse in terms of demonstrating how we support kids, regardless of location, regardless of challenge, which changes every six miles in Fulton County. Uh, but that diversity is a strength and if it can be done, it can be done in Fulton County. And I'm, I believe that.